If you love Snapped, Women Who Murder, you're going to love listening to true crime or mystery titles on Audible. The audio title I'm diving into again is one of my favorites to revisit, Mindhunter by John Douglas and Mark Ulshaker. Even if you think you know the details of the cases, former FBI unit chief John Douglas took on from documentaries or the scripted show, the audio title goes above and beyond in bringing you along with him in his career, trying to catch serial killers and serial perpetrators. He used psychological profiling to dive into the minds of notorious criminals. The title includes his hunt for a killer in Alaska, the Green River Killer, and so much more. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Hey, Snap listeners. We're bringing you a special bonus episode today from Oxygen's hit series, Murdered by Morning. You can also watch full episodes live or on demand on the free Oxygen app by clicking the link in our description. Enjoy. New Orleans, the Big Easy, is known for its southern charm, renowned jazz, and vibrant nightlife. A group of friends decided to go out and hit the town. But it's not without its dark side. By the end of that night, one of them was dead. There was a car that had a, a body burned in it and shot in it, and I just knew. A close circle of friends an unthinkable crime. It left a lot of blanks and a lot of questions as to like what exactly happened. Who is this woman? What was going on in her life and what led to her murder? Now the victim's own words <laughs> could be the key to solving this murder. Our jaws dropped. It was the most horrific haul. On the night in question, she wanted to go out, have a good time, and it ended in horror. sultry summer weekend in New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans is the place where people come to cut loose. It is a place where I think people feel like anything goes. 
on this night, a group of girls is getting ready to hit the town. Jessica and Lindsay, they were my best friends. Jessica was almost like our mom. She was like the mom of the group. She's fun, but she's to herself. Um, she's not as outgoing as the rest of us. Lindsay was very outgoing, very funny, very fun to be around. Lindsay called me and I was getting my hair done. And she was really excited about being home because she's always working out of town. And she was asking me what I was doing and she wanted to hang out. So we decided to go out and celebrate her being home and us not seeing each other for quite some time. That night, they wanted me to come with them. I didn't, I had my kids, I didn't have a babysitter. So I stayed home. The group of friends that me and Lindsay and Jessica, that we hang out with, um, it's pretty much the same crowd every time. So what happened that night definitely wasn't what I was expecting at all. It was shocking. I was gonna take my car at first and then Lindsay was kinda upset with me. I was like, please ride with me. And then we headed out to a lounge that we used to hang out um, and eat and just drink and listen to music. Lindsay and Jessica were out at Gabby's, which is a, like a sports bar. They were running into different people that they knew. They were hanging out, they were drinking. They went to Gabby's for a little while. Then they went and met Melanie and Bam at Spice. Melanie was very outgoing, very fun to be around. Bam, he was a good friend. He was almost like a big brother. After they went to Spice, Jessica decided she wanted to go home. Not unusual, Jessica's always the first person to leave anytime we go out. It wasn't that I didn't like Spice. It wasn't the atmosphere or anything. Um, I just started to feel extremely weird. And I was telling her, I was like, I think we really should go home, call it a night. Jessica, she leaves, finds a ride home. Lindsay wasn't ready to go home. So they went to Passions. Passions is a strip club that a lot of locals go to. It's in New Orleans East. It's in what's considered a rougher part of town. It's not considered an upscale establishment, but it's cheap, which is why a lot of locals go there. I think the night of this crime, I think the cover was like $5 to get in or something like that. Passions. It's not anywhere that Lindsay or Melanie hung out very often, but they knew the doorman. It was a friend of theirs, so they went to just hang out there. At Passions, they ran into a friend of Lindsay's, Theon. He was out that night with his friend Troy. They were drinking, you know, laughing, talking. As the night slips into early morning, Bam and Lindsay are ready to head home. 
leaving Melanie at the club alone. On the morning of June 21st, 2015, at 6.17, our communications department received a call from some security guards about an abandoned possible stolen vehicle. Then at about 7.17, we got another phone call about that vehicle being on fire on the side of the road. Firefighters arrive to more smoke than fire, but soon make a gruesome discovery. There they found the body in the trunk. That's when homicide was notified. I get to the scene. Trunks open, the doors are open. And then I walked to the trunk. I've been doing this for a while, and it was a pretty horrific crime scene. She was kind of lying on her back, kind of almost somewhat fetal position, and she had obvious burn marks to her body. I could see at least one gunshot wound to her neck. Also, importantly, there was a gun in the trunk. It was also burned. We have crime scene techs come out and they photograph the entire scene. They photograph the car, the inside of the car, the trunk of the car. We ran the license plate. The car comes back to Lindsay Nichols. We found Lindsay's work ID in the door. Well, we saw the photograph and it did match the, the girl in the trunk. I wanted to find out, why is this girl out here? Where, where, where is she coming from? Who is she with? I didn't know him. All I knew is that was the last person I left with my friend. He discovered that she actually, the victim herself, called 911. A couple hours before we found her body. On the morning of June 21st, 2015, somebody called 911 and said there was a vehicle on fire in New Orleans East on Mishu Boulevard. Firefighters go out, extinguish the fire, pop the trunk open and there was a female in the trunk. 31-year-old Lindsay Nichols has been viciously murdered. Our coroner's office came out. We removed Lindsay's body from the trunk and further examined her wounds. Saw some additional gunshot wounds. Looked like she'd been strangled. She was burned. Very horrible manner of death. I looked inside the vehicle. There was a, a plastic bag on the passenger seat that the exterior was burned, but the, the contents were still intact. But before we had it processed, 
We had to apply for a search warrant. Upon uh, recovering her remains and having those taken to the coroner's office, uh, the detectives tow the car back to the police department's headquarters where it would be processed with an advanced crime scene unit. June 21st was Father's Day. In the morning, I did text Lindsay to remind her that it was Father's Day so she would text my husband and wish him a happy Father's Day. And I didn't think much of it when she didn't text back because I figured she had been out the night before and she was probably sleeping late. So I waited a little while and in the meantime, I just happened to get a voicemail from a gentleman that bought our house in St. Charles Parish. And the message was that the cops had come by my house looking for the parents of Lindsay Nichols. Well, at that point, I knew something was wrong. I received a call um, from a mutual friend that they found a car on the side of the interstate that looked like Lindsay's car, and they said that a body was in the trunk. From there, um, I turned on the news to see what they were talking about and look at the car to see if it like resembled Lindsay's. I just got a really bad feeling in my... Um... So then we started making phone calls. And I finally got a hold of the police and they told me the only thing I could do was come to the morgue in the morning. Lindsay's family and friends identify her body the next day. Then they have the impossible job of breaking the news to her young son, Peter. They're telling a nine-year-old that his mom had been shot. He thought we were joking, and he thought we were teasing, and he kept saying, you're teasing me, stop. And it was so hard. It was just heartbreaking. And we kept saying, no, it's true. And he, he, he broke down. I had no idea who could have done it. I mean, I didn't know who she had been with that night. Um, I had no clue. In this case, the condition of the car, the condition of Lindsay's body, it seemed very personal, like someone knew her, maybe ex-boyfriend, lover, or some kind of love interest or something like that. And we really didn't know. We didn't know much about her background yet. Lindsay worked a lot. She was a workaholic. She would work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Lindsay did timekeeping, so she would travel to different locations where they needed that. She very seldom got to let her hair down and go out. 
So when she got that chance, that's exactly what she wanted to do. We were able to reach her friends that were out there with her that night that came in and laid out the whole story of the night, which gave us a blueprint of where to start. I met up with Jessica and Lindsay at Spice Bar and Grill on St. Bernard Avenue. When I got there, Jessica was waiting on her ride to leave. Then me, Lindsay, and a friend of hers that she knew from Spice, his name was Bam. We decided to leave and go to Passions. He rode with Lindsay to Passions, and I followed them there. When we got there, Lindsay had noticed someone that she knew, Theon, and she gave him a big hug and jumped into his arms. And she engaged in a conversation with him for a few minutes. And then she returned to the bar with me and had a couple of drinks. Lindsay was very popular, very known. She had a lot, a lot, a lot of friends. So I didn't pay any mind to it. Later on, Lindsay and Bam decided to call it a night and leave. So I decided to stay and have a few more drinks. She said she would give me a call the next day that maybe we could go swimming or, you know, just hook up and chill. Lindsay said that she was dropping Bam off at his car. He was the last one with her. I didn't know him. All I knew is I was the last person I left with my friend. And then all of a sudden, I found out that my friend's car and her body got burned up. In New Orleans East, and I just thought he had something to do with it. Lindsay went out with some friends, and they go out to have a good time, and this critical event happens, and the whole night goes sideways. Lindsay's friends tell us about this guy she's with, Bam, and that he's a friend, you know, no romantic involvement, and he was the last one with Lindsay. So obviously, he's someone we gotta talk to, because you're the last person with Lindsay, and now she's dead. Nobody knows Bam's real name, so finding him could prove challenging. Detective Brer had a nickname to start working with, and he started checking various databases. Eventually, he's able to find an individual that fits the description. He's still got some of Lindsay's friends in the office, so he prints up a picture, shows it to him, and bam, they identify this guy named Bam. A couple days after we found Lindsay's body, Detective Barrera and his partner rode out to Bam's house and convinced him to come into the homicide office and sit down with the detectives and talk to us about her death. She comes in and just says, you know, it's terrible what happened to her. I saw her that night. And then Bam lays out what he did. 
he confirmed that they were at the series of clubs. She brought him back to his car. He went to a convenience store, bought some food, went home, and that was it. So we go out and look at his alibi. We found a camera near another convenience store outside facing Bam's house and confirmed that he gets home at the time he said he did. And found out that he was nowhere near Lindsay at the time of this homicide. So we moved on from Bam. Their first lead now fruitless. Investigators hope Lindsay's car will provide clues about the night she was murdered. A search warrant for Lindsay's car, and we had it processed a few days later. And then the biggest piece, in my opinion, is that plastic bag that was meant to be burned. In that bag, we located a white undershirt. It had blood on the outside of the shirt. There are a pair of like red gym shorts with blood on them, and there are a pair of tube socks that were bloody. It was male clothing. We believe this is possibly the suspect's clothing. We believe that whoever did this wanted to burn the evidence in the car, but lucky for us, it didn't burn. Processed the car that morning, and by that afternoon, Detective Brer's bagging up the clothing collected and calling the DNA lab at the State Police Crime Lab and trying to make arrangements to get that expedited testing done. And because the inside of the shorts going to have just the owner of the shorts' DNA, we had a chance to identify the suspect. At that point, we got Lindsay's phone number, and I requested a search warrant for her cell phone records. The search warrant and the DNA results will take time to process. But Lindsay's preliminary autopsy report is in, and the details are devastating to show that she was shot multiple times. Uh, she was manually strangled. She had bruising to her face indicating she was beaten. And then she also had thermal damage to her body from the fire. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. You hear that? That's the sound of another sale with Shopify, your go-to for selling everywhere online, in-store, and even on social media. Shopify POS is like the central hub for your retail operation. From payments to inventory, it's all there. Got different gadgets? No worries. Shopify's hardware is adaptable, fitting in just how you do business. Start transforming your retail business with an incredible offer. A trial for just $1 per month at shopify.com Wondery, all lowercase. That's shopify.com Wondery. Take the leap and upgrade your point-of-sale solution with Shopify. Visit shopify.com slash Wondery and start your trial today. She had a lot of injuries, and that to me screamed someone who was super angry, like hateful, like something happened to set this person off to do this to this young girl. 
The coroner's report was the hardest part. Yeah. Um, just, I'm not gonna go into details. We were allowed to view her body before she was cremated. They say that if it's a tragic accident, like, you know, something tragic happens to someone, I expected her to look, um, like, tense and scared and, but she just looked like she was sleeping. On July 15th, investigators finally receive Lindsay's phone records, and what they learn is haunting. While Detective Brer looked through Lindsay's cell phone records, he discovered that she actually, the victim herself, called 911 a couple hours before we found her body. So we rushed over to our um, communication section where they have the 911 center. We have them pull the 911 call Lindsay made from her car and we all listened to it there. It was, it was incredible. Our jaws dropped. It was the most horrific call. telling them over and over, please send somebody. I need help. Please send somebody as quickly as possible. I need help. Eventually, they get into the car, and you start hearing them like beat on her. And they're cursing her out, and they're saying horrific things to her. And then there's a period of open air where the phone's still connected, and you can just hear like just background noise. basically that for like the elongated period of time, her moaning and yelling and you hear her getting struck and it's like just the worst, the worst call I've ever heard on the job. After nearly eight desperate minutes, the line goes dead. The 911 operator really failed Lindsay Nichols. Lindsay says that she's being held at gunpoint, her life is in danger and the dispatcher did not relay that information. So when the officers finally got there on a low-level response, the suspect already was probably halfway to his final destination where he was gonna kill her at. It 
it bothers me knowing that her last minutes were so brutal. That really bothers me. That haunts me still. It was terrible. It was the most terrible thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, she's begging them to just leave her alone and let her go. She's literally begging for her life. Um, literally begging for her life. The city gets about 40,000 calls to the communications division every month. So there wasn't a connection made between Lindsay's murder and the 911 call. When we make mistakes, people can die. It was devastating for the investigators on this case. Detectives now three weeks into their investigation are hopeful the 911 call will provide needed clues. She described the location where she was at. She was like next to a car dealership. In her verbiage, it was two men. She stated that this guy I only saw one time before. So all these things that we heard on the 911 call, the victim herself basically was helping Detective Brer solve her murder before she had even died. And I sat down again and went through Lindsay's cell phone records. And before 911, she calls this random number. We don't know who it is. And that like, calls back and forth. So we ran that number and found that it was linked to a Theon Samson. Lindsay was calling Theon's phone the night she was murdered, shortly before she's murdered. So just who is Theon Samson? And what's his connection to Lindsay? I reached out to Lindsay's friends. I'm like, hey, does she know a guy named Theon Samson? Lindsay met him just three months prior to her passing. Me, Lindsay, Jessica, and another one of our friends, Sherry, were out one night. There was a place called the Tiki Hut. We ended up meeting Theon. You know, him and Lindsay kicked it off, and they exchanged numbers. We learned from her friends and through social media that he was an exotic dancer. He uh, had used the name Bonafi, or Bone was like his stage name. And he would go basically to like various clubs throughout the city and he would dance on like ladies night. They exchanged a text a couple times here and there and she just so happened to run into him again that night. We start doing a, a background on Theon. We learn he lives in New Orleans East, Vaughn and Shefferton Highway, which is right next to a car dealership, which Lindsay describes in the 911 calls. I'm like, okay, this could be our guy. We gotta find this guy. 
when they were trying to find Lindsay's killer. It was an extremely um, rough time. I had nightmares. We didn't know who would actually do something like this. After learning one of Lindsay's last calls was to Theon Sampson, investigators are eager to learn more. I elect to call him in for an interview. Theon comes in. He basically says that he goes to the strip club together with his friend. And while he's there, he sees Lindsay. He hugs her. He said after he left the strip club on the night in question, he went home. His girlfriend was there. His friend came over. And I'm like, who's your friend? He said, Trevornado. I'm like, look, did you, ever, did you leave at all after that? He goes, no, man. I stayed home the whole night. So I'm like, look, man, um, because you hugged her and had contact with her, we're taking swabs to make sure, you know, just to, to test the evidence. He said, all right, cool. He was very relaxed. So he let me take the swab. He leaves. The next morning, drove that sample up to the state police crime lab. And I told the director, I'm like, look, can you compare this to the evidence recovered? So when Detective Barrera first processed Lindsay's car, one of the really key pieces of evidence was a distinctive pair of red shorts with some blood stains. So Detective Barrera thought that it might be really important to start trying to connect Bayon to this pair of red shorts. While investigators await the results of the DNA test, they circle back to Lindsay's friends, looking for anything that could tie Theon to the murder. I'm like, hey, this Theon guy, you have any pictures of him on Instagram or anything where he's wearing like maybe some red shorts or something? Oh, let me go check. I get a, a picture from like a week or so prior to the homicide of Theon wearing the exact outfit we found in the car, like a white wife beater, the red gym shorts, and a pair of, like, gym socks. I mean, it's, it matches to a T. Oh, I'm like, okay, this could be our guy. Detective Barrere has a hunch. But will the DNA prove it's true? I got a call, and we had Theon Sampson's profile in the red gym shorts obtained from the car in the inner waistband with blood on it. And that blood was Lindsay Nichols' blood. At that point, with all these things we knew, we got an arrest warrant for Theon Sampson for murder. After getting that arrest warrant, Detective Brer started to research places that Theon hung out at and realized that there was one particular tattoo shop that he liked to hang out at. So he we went over to the ink shop. Detective Brass saw Theon standing outside of the tattoo shop, and they arrested him for the murder of Lindsay Nichols. Theon lawyers up and refuses to speak to investigators. 
Nonetheless, detectives don't wait to share the arrest with Lindsay's family. It was a relief that they had arrested the guy. I just wanted to see him rot in prison. <laughs> that was my first thought. But we still didn't know why this happened. We built a really, really solid case against Aon. But if you listen to the 911 call Lindsay makes, It was two men. We knew there was someone else involved that actually helped him commit this crime. When we arrested Theon Sampson, we got a search warrant for the actual phone. You can actually see text records and everything else on the phone where he's communicating with a second suspect, a guy named Troy Barnado. Could Troy be Theon's partner in crime? As investigators try to dig up more on Troy, they get an anonymous tip. In the morning, Lindsay was killed. A witness actually drove by a black vehicle on fire. The witness gives a great description on Theon. They were like, you know, I saw the guy by the trunk, the black male with a mohawk haircut and a nose ring. And then he watched Theon get into the Jaguar. We found out that Troy has a light-colored Jaguar. That tip really helped us with really tying Troy Barnado back to the scene. Faced with a mounting pile of evidence against him, it seems Theon is now ready to talk. And what he says could change the course of the case. Theon met with attorneys and put the whole thing on Troy. He gave a full statement about everything that happened minimizing his role in it. I tried to reach out to Troy. He wouldn't speak to me. His attorney called and said, Troy has nothing to say. He knows what happened, but he wasn't involved. I've been in homicide for seven years, and it's our role and responsibility to find out the truth. Whoever did this, I wanted this person off the streets, and I want him gone. I never had the chance to speak to Troy about the case. I wanted to. He wouldn't speak to me. And then Theon, when he gave a statement to the prosecution team, and I was there, and I, was, yeah, I had to do some things. I didn't kill her. Troy did. Of course you're going to say that. So both of them are just pointing the finger when they're both equally responsible for her death. In the background of the 911 call, you can hear two male voices. All the evidence points to both of them, the calls back and forth, the text records. The fact that Troy picked up Theon from the east in his Jaguar, he's seen by someone doing it. I mean, these guys are equally culpable for the, this horrible murder. So we got an indictment for Troy Barnado for murder and obstruction of justice as well. And he was arrested. With Lindsay's own 911 call, witness accounts, and other evidence, investigators piece together the night of Lindsay's murder. 
At around 4 a.m., she leaves the club with her friend Bam to drop him off at his truck. At 4.18, she gets a call from Theon Sampson, and they must have agreed to meet up at his place because she then drives herself to his apartment complex at Chef Endowment. About 4.30, she got there, and she was led into the apartment. Shortly after her arrival, Theon is messaging Troy, saying that she's there. Barnado is downstairs waiting outside of Theon's apartment. He's like, come up. It's unlocked. Theon's trying to arrange some kind of like threesome or some kind of sex act. At 4.40 AM, Theon's friend Troy came over. I think the moment it went from everything is cool to just completely not OK is when she realized there was someone there whom she'd never met before. They wanted her to do something she wasn't willing to do. And that's when she runs out the apartment, half-dressed to her car, followed by Theon Sampson and Trevornado. We don't understand how he got her keys. You know, I don't know if she dropped them when she was running. Things like that, you know, there'll never be answers to. At 4.45, we got a 911 call. She's trapped in this car. Like, no way to defend herself and two men trying to get in. And she tells the dispatcher that they have my keys, they have my keys. They got in the car. Um, she couldn't hold the door shut anymore. And eventually, they beat on her. And she's like moaning in the background. And they're cursing her out. And they're saying like horrific things to her. After Lindsay was beaten, she was manually strangled. And they put her body in the trunk. Theon drove her car, followed by Torvarnado. We traced Theon's phone records, and he goes to a series of isolated spots. It's like in the middle of nowhere, kind of. It's possible he brought her there, killed her, and then drove way out to where we located it, and then set it on fire, and then got a ride back. was charged with kidnapping, obstruction of justice, second-degree murder. 
Theon decided to take a guilty plea. He pled to manslaughter and got 40 years flat. So he'll be well into old age when he gets out of prison. They offered a plea arrangement to uh, Troy. And Troy said, I'm going to trial. So we eventually went to trial. Ultimately, you know, the jury deliberated. They found him guilty of all charges. He got life in prison. So Theon has 40 years, and Varnado has life. It doesn't bring her back, and it doesn't make it less horrific of how she died. But I'm glad both of them are gone. Um, I've had dreams about her, and she's always smiling. She doesn't ever talk to me, but she's always smiling. I feel like she died without getting to have all the things she wanted. She never got her a happy ending in life. She was just getting to that place, and, and it was just taken away so quickly. memories was her coming home from being at work, like away. And I remember Peter just grabbing her around her waist and just hugging her so tight. And that's one of my last memories. He likes to talk about things like that, positive things. You'll never leave me. But every day it gets easier. For more information on Murdered by Morning, go to Oxygen.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.